Welcome, this is Jeff Lackey. Today, I'm here with Amy Bush, and we're introducing you to Growing Your Business with People, a podcast dedicated to CEOs and mid-market business leaders who really want to grow their business with people. Let's be frank. If you have a business and you're looking to do anything with it, you understand that the only real asset that you have is your people, how you motivate, how you engage, how you acquire talent, how you retain talent, how you promote talent. That's really the growth engine of your organization. And we're going to bring in today Amy Bush, the president of 7-Step. Now, 7-Step, you might may or may not know, but they are true recruiting experts. They serve small, medium, and large, and even Fortune 10-sized organization. Amy has a long career in global talent acquisition and was my collaborative partner uh, in, uh, in two companies, Rolls-Royce and CVS Health. Amy lives in Maine and enjoys the trappings of the relaxed outdoor life that help offset the frenetic pace of her corporate clients like myself. So welcome, Amy. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Glad to have you. So I guess today there's a lot of things that we could cover. I mean, we literally have uh, all of the hottest topics uh, potentially out there. But I think one of the ones that is most unexplored right now is the fact that leaders such as yourself, presidents, CEOs, business leaders, are having to make a lot of decisions with data, right? Everything is a data-driven decision. And some of what we're going to talk about today is really how to take data-driven decisions and that data and understand it because that data is what you're going to use to help guide your talent acquisition process. You're going to look at things like time to fill or, or, uh, you know, or retention rates, acceptance rates, right? Cost for hire. Like you're going to look at all, all sorts of things. Uh, if you look at engagement surveys, what is your, what's your engagement? What's your net promoter score? And unfortunately, or fortunately, right? There's a lot of data out there that can be quite confusing, especially as there is major shifts in the market. And if you think about it, 2019 to right now, this three to four year period, I mean, we have seen a roller coaster of epic proportions driving changes in the market. So today we're going to talk to Amy a little bit about, as a leader, how she thinks about decision-making specifically when it comes to people and people's strategies and how she uses data to inform not only herself and her business, but also help to improve her clients' businesses so that they can do exactly what we talked about, growing your business with people. So Amy, why don't we start with that? Just get started uh, at a high level. As you're going through and, and thinking about decision-making and your people decision-making, how do you parse through the mountains of data that you're given every day? Well, I think the first thing is to, to just have some framework around how you're looking at data. And I have to say that personally, I don't know if this is sort of a personal journey issue I'm already oversharing, which would be on point for my personality. But um, I'm, I'm wary of being average or averaged when I'm looking at data. And really that comes from I want to make sure the data I'm looking at is going to give me perspective and really allow me to take action. And sometimes I think with averages, they don't really allow you to take an action or make a decision from um, multiple perspectives. It's sort of a blended point of view. And I think that 
you know, for, for your CEOs that are watching this and looking to make decisions, I would say, especially in talking about some of those things like for hire, time to sell, um, be wary of averages. Um, I, I think they could steer you a little bit wrong in terms of, of decision making. We could dig into that a little bit. So let's dig into that. So give me an example uh, where you've seen maybe with a, either a client or even in your own organization where you've seen an average that really didn't give you the truth. I mean, it, it, it only told you one version of the story and it didn't necessarily represent what you needed to know. Sure. You know, I, there's very simple one. When people are looking at how long it takes to fill a job, that, that time to fill that we keep talking about, um, you know, CEOs are looking at that because that vacancy and that vacancy gap is costing them money. Um, somebody's not in that seat performing those duties. So that's why time to fill um, becomes really important at the CEO level. You know, we talk about it sometimes in recruiting as a way to look at our, our talent, if they're good, if the recruiter's performing. But when you look at a business outcome, uh, that time to fill becomes really important because it impacts the bottom line. So a lot of times uh, when you're looking at that, you'll look at an average. Our average time to fill for this group of work is, you know, X amount of, of calendar days. And that's really interesting. And it could lull you into some complacency. We've seen um, situations, there's always outliers to any average where um, you could have a certain group or a subgroup that is being hidden. So maybe the average looks good, but there's a part of, part of the business or a certain group that is actually having some increased time to fill aging. And, uh, you know, that part of the business could be incredibly important to, to that bottom line, uh, certainly to the people who are operating and employee well-being in that department of needing the support. The reverse could also be true, Jeff, is that the time to fill looks really bad. And we're sitting there, we're looking at it, and we're like, gosh, that's, you know, weeks longer than we need, and this is really costing us. But there's just a small pocket uh, that's actually driving that. And and so it, it's a little healthier than it than it looks like. So it's a really simple example, but it's a simple example that changes profitability if it's not looked at in detail in terms of putting the right prescription in place to solve the problem. So uh, I don't like averages very much. I would 100% agree with you. And I, I had one example when I was working uh, in one of my previous employers working with the analytics organization. And we would say, oh, well, the average is this. And and to to their credit, we would work with the leadership and we'd look at not only the averages, but the outliers and say, what are the outliers telling us, Right. And in, in one case, the outliers were some of the most critical skill sets that we needed, right? And so we said, do we want to put together a solution for the outliers, which are critical, or do we want to have a solution that fits the whole problem? And actually, we said, what if we just put together a solution that addressed the outliers because they are, they are a significant source of of strategic advantage and, and profitability long-term, but we don't have to apply that same solution. In this case, it was, uh, it was using uh, more aggressive executive recruiting type resources to that, right? We don't have to apply that to what I call the magic middle where there's a lot, of, there's a lot more volume. And right. we actually put in place, in that case, uh, we put in place a uh, seventh step to say, hey, can you work on this this 
the mass in the middle while we work on have a separate solution for these these extremely different types of skill sets. And and what what came out of that to to the credit of all involved was actually both improved, right? The outlier dramatically improved, but so did the but also it removed the distraction of the team who is focused on what I call the magic middle. So yeah. that they could actually create better solutions that applied and weren't constantly being drugged into this other space that was serving as a distraction because there was no real solution that could be put in place because you needed a different, a different appropriate uh, way of working. What that does for a, a, as a business leader, you think about, okay, so what's time to fill me? Well, hey, if you're looking at data scientists, you might be looking at millions for one person. Right. And imagine millions in terms of the the EBITDA impact, you know, minus their salary and general administrative. You don't want to have that one sitting on the shelf for 365 days, right? You sure don't. The other element of that, though, that I think is really important um, is the satisfaction of your employees and the recruiters who are working those jobs. Um, and so... You, when you talk about making something more pointed, the prescription is appropriate for the work. When you're putting the right talent, so do these recruiters have the right skill set, as you just mentioned, with executive search type skills, or you know, are they more sourcing type where they're, you know, working? When you when you find that sweet spot between the work and the talent, you not only get better EBITDA or bottom line results, but you reduce your turnover because your employees feel engaged and happy and um, they're working towards their strength, which is just such um, a great feeling as an employee when, you know, when you're at work and you're working towards your strengths and you're making impact and you're really feeling like uh, you're helping the business achieve their goals, it feels so much better. So we get the EBITDA bonus, but we also get uh, that employee well-being bonus, which I think is, is pretty darn important. This podcast is brought to you by Paradox AI, also known as Olivia, recruiting's most advanced AI assistant. I use Paradox at my previous organization, and their team helped us create a candidate concierge experience that ensured a fast hiring process that still felt very human. We literally hired hundreds of thousands of people, many of whom were critical healthcare workers needed during the pandemic. She would let them know we had an interview or offer waiting and would help them navigate onboarding processes. Olivia made the experience easy and fast, two essential ingredients in recruiting great people. It's not just me. Organizations like McDonald's, General Motors, Unilever, and L'Oreal use this technology to create engaging and fast candidate experiences. Go to Paradox.ai to learn more about the amazing things Paradox and Olivia can do for you. Digging into behind the details, like this is really where we're talking about is, is time to fill. I know that time to fill is something that every talent acquisition professional under the sun has always used. What do you think are the advantages and some of the challenges with ta- time to fill in? And how should a business leader, CEO such as yourself, right? How should that person be looking at things like time to fill? And what kind of ask questions 
should they be asking their HR or talent acquisition partner? Sure. I think it's a great question. You know, the, the first thing I'll say is, you know, backing up, I think time to fill is a really good um, balance point when you're hiring um, thousands and thousands and thousands of positions. And that's what we're partnering with, with organizations to do is to um, have these wholesale solutions to come in and, and create these solutions for time to fill and uh, filling their jobs. So I think the average is, is it's fine as long as you have the ability to segment it and then to start to look at different places. So the first thing is establishing what is healthy for a particular business area. Um, forcing time to fill to be too short um, might not get you the quality that you're looking for. We don't want to force a process for profit sake to hit a number. The entire goal in every situation is the right person in the right job for the right um, fit for that particular team. And we don't want to leave that personalization when we're looking at thousands of jobs um, and, and hiring. So again, the time to fill average is a great indicator, but an HR team then would partner with uh, TA in the business to look at what is reasonable for what's out there in the market, what they're offering for salary, what that all, that equation comes to look like for that particular business. And we start to map again. If you don't have the ability to segment that, I think it's going to become a, a real trouble point for an organization. And everything, um, you know, you might be hiring software engineer at one company and a software engineer at another company, and both of those facts look exactly the same, but the companies are different. The teams are different. And so the financials of the offer might be different, um, the experience of working there. So when we start to look at time to fill, it's position-centric somewhat, but it's also company-centric, geographic-centric, and uh, we start to get really smart. Um, so hopefully uh, some of these yes. CEOs that are listening to us today start to get and think, do I have the right systems in place to get the data to a place that creates perspective? And then where I can take action. Um, I think that's probably the most important point is to be able to slice and dice. You couldn't have said any better, Amy. That's phenomenal. Bad Advertising Agency is entering our 100th year of business. From day one, we have specialized in recruitment advertising, and today, we develop fully digital strategies across programmatic advertising, search engine marketing, and social media. With 100 years of experience and knowledge across every industry, we're ready to help our clients navigate what's next. To learn more, visit us at badad.com. The analogy uh, works the same way is how do you as as a as a partner really work with the leaders to say how do we get proactive in addressing some of uh, some of these challenges, so that yeah, of course, the time to fill fill will be improved. How do we get ahead of this rather than being reactive to the needs of our of, of these organizations? And what would you recommend a CEO do to kind of allow leaders to think more differently within their organization? Sure. So I I think giving you an actual example of what we do is probably. Um, the easiest way to bring it to life, maybe for everyone who's listening. Um, yes. But, uh, you know, when we work with 
our our clients, we're looking at the market data of what they their their hiring trends of what they're hiring, the market data in terms of all the research, and we're bringing that to them proactively. You hired a hundred of these last year position, or you hired ten, doesn't matter, um, a thousand, um, and here's some market data and how the market shifted. So our recommendation is to get ahead of it and to look at what's playing in the market and make sure that you have your comp profiles correctly, make sure that you have your hiring committees um, set up correctly. You know, you add in the um, two components here where we have uh, a much needed and uh, spotlight on, on diversity. And when you're looking at that and you add that layer on top of it of getting ready to hire, of making sure that your hiring committees are diverse, um, that your hiring managers are trained appropriately on unconscious bias, et cetera, and that you're getting um, engagement out in the marketplace into where those candidates are living and breathing in advance. Um, you also need the data to do all of that and to have the market intel. And we package that up and bring that to our C-suite partners to make sure that they can make the decision of where they want to focus their energy first. What's most business critical? What's hardest to find? Maybe something isn't the most business critical, but we know it's going to take us the longest because the population just doesn't exist or they're highly sought after. Um, and we want to make sure that we're engaging appropriately. So we'll bring that data to the table and then um, package that up in a way that a C-suite executive can consume it. So I, I would make sure that um, they know to not just look inside out, you have to look outside in as well and compare against the market conditions that are very volatile right now and mm -hmm. and, and ever changing. And it's funny, you're talking about time to fill to kind of go back to that point. I was thinking when you were saying it, yes, when the job opens, but if you think about how long things are staying pending right now, how long it's taking for a job to make it through the approval process and for people to get headcount approval and for CEOs who are sitting there and saying, do we wait till Q3? Do you want to push this into you too? What's my outcome going to be off this? Well, like, what's the economy? What's the jobs report? There's so many different pieces that go into this that by the time the job gets approved, oftentimes we're seeing that that business unit and those business leaders have needed that job for a month. Mm -hmm. So we might be saying, okay, it's going to take us a little bit of time to get you your first slate of candidates. It's going to look like this. Here's the data. And they're thinking, I've actually already been waiting months what do we do? And so to your question that you just posed, that's the getting ahead of it. That's the getting out there in the marketplace and networking so that we can hit the ground that much faster when something does make it through the gauntlet of approval, right? Um, that is going on right now out there in the market. Rightly so, but it's still an aggressive process. Oh, that's, that's perfect because I think you as a leader might feel hamstrung in the moment but that's your perfect opportunity to go start working the market and exploring exactly. and looking to network to so that by let yeah once once you get that green light you just you know, pop them in and hopefully then your time to fill will look brilliant right because uh brilliant it's gonna just go go like wildfire. This podcast is brought to you by Seven Step a leading global workforce solutions provider that offers recruitment process outsourcing, MSP services to manage the flexible workforce, including suppliers and contractors, 
and total talent solutions for managing the entire permanent and flexible workforce supply. Their people are great, and so is their technology, particularly their Surveo Insights data and intelligence platform. It's really cutting edge, not only in how it brings your talent data together, but in how it draws deep, detailed, predictive intelligence. It's really like a crystal ball for your talent data. I used 7-Step at my previous two organizations, and their team helped us to launch a full-service RPO to staff healthcare workers, customer service reps, IT professionals, data science and engineering, digital design teams, along with aerospace engineers and manufacturing workers. Their talent analytics put data in my fingertips, which allowed me to see around corners and strategically plan for frequent and volatile market changes, including a global pandemic where we had to hire literally hundreds of thousands of people. Their deep knowledge and exceptional integrity allowed me to rely on them as a trusted partner across multiple lines of business. Go to 7stepRPO.com to learn more about the powerful things 7-Step can do for you. Thank you so much for your time, Amy. I want you to leave this our audience with one or two thoughts. This is the thing that you'd really love to leave with them to make sure that you know they can take your advice and your insights, your examples, and apply it you know, to today, tomorrow, or next week. Know your numbers beyond the averages. Know what's causing your averages um, because it'll allow you to make prescriptive business decisions. Um, I think it's incredibly important. So question your team. Uh, what makes that up? Uh, where'd that come from? Uh, tell me a little bit more about the outliers. Um, and the second part of it is uh, as you're making some really challenging people decisions, uh, make sure you have that programmatic web in place so that you know, you know, the grassroots of the organization. Um, it, it's not going to make it easier to make those decisions, but it will make it more informed. And so I think if I was to say two points, uh, that was, would be really, really important to pass along from my point of view and really what I'm sharing with our, our customers, our partners right now out there in the marketplace. Wow, that's wonderful. That's perfect. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I've always appreciated about working with you and working with the team was the fact that you always brought a perspective that said, um, um, I care more deeply. You know, it's, you're more important. The organization, the people are more important than just profits, right? The profits will come, but the, but the people are what really matter. And those are the things, those are the type of strategies and partnerships that, that, I'll just be honest, are fairly rare in the, uh, in the world that we live in and, uh, and, and bringing a sense of a combination of, of the balance between people and profits is always something that, you know, that you have to, as a business leader, you have to get that balance right. And so I, I appreciated, uh, your comments, your insights today, Amy, they're phenomenal. I think the fact that you continually balance the people and profits always to you know, improve your clients and, and, and your other partners out there, uh, I think is wonderful. And, uh, and I just want to say thank you very much for taking the time to be interviewed today. Well, I love partnering with you. Thank you for the opportunity. And uh, it was very fun. I appreciate you. Well, same here. Well, there's another uh, episode of Growing Your Business with People with Amy Bush, president of 7 Steps. 